Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Hello, friends. Welcome to this second week of June 2023. This is the Cyber Guy Podcast. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. This episode, we're going to talk some cyber news. We're going to talk uh, some cyber smart tips for you as business owners, as well as some cyber smart tips for individuals and a host of other things going on in the cyber world and some things I'm working on to help keep people safe. Uh, so if uh, you like the podcast, I, I will, first of all, I want to thank you very much for downloading and listening to the podcast. For my regular listeners, I really appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribing and tell others to subscribe. It can only help me down the line and help me to create, continue to create content. I had an interesting email, um, and I get these periodically, but this one was a little different. Actually, I'll read it for you. And it has to do with YouTube. So this is from a guy. He must have a business, but it says, if I can bring it up here. So he said, I saw that you just posted your 97th episode of the Cyber Guy podcast. This is episode 99, I think. I really meant to look that up before I actually started doing this. So while I'm doing, let's do this in real time. While I bring this up, this is episode number 98. So this is episode 98. Um, and it says, basically he says that I would love to, basically, I'd love to show you your plan of increasing engagement on your podcast on YouTube, basically saying I should have stuff on YouTube. So I guess the question is, and maybe you can help me for this. If you're listening to the podcast, you could email me, find me on LinkedIn. Let me know, you know, should I be putting these things on YouTube? Would it be beneficial? I'm not videotaping them all the time. I need to get back to restreaming and I'll work on that going forward. But for right now, I'm just trying to get a regular cadence of continuing to do the podcast so that. Um, there's the content is there because the cyber world is often changing. There's a lot of stuff going on in it. Uh, and I like to think that I can help educate folks to understand what all these threats are, what's going on in a very simple form. Um, as I've been trying to do here for 97 past episodes. So, uh, if that's of interest, feel free to email me, Darren at thecyberguy.com. Find me on LinkedIn. We'll have that stuff in the show notes. You can certainly take a look there, but let's get into some cyber news. So my first uh, news article is from the Hacker News it's from June 9th. Ravi Lakshmanan uh, is writing this. It's called Asylum Ambuscade, a cybercrime group with espionage ambitions. And I found this interesting because it proves a theory. It's not even a theory. It proves a fact that I've been stating for some time that cyber espionage, the theft of intelligence by cyber actors is a big issue for companies. Um, yet most people just worry about the cybercrime piece, which obviously you have to do so. But so from this article, the threat actor known as Asylum Ambuscade has been observed straddling cybercrime and cyber espionage operations since at least early 2020. Quote, it is a cybercrime group that targets bank customers and cryptocurrency traders in various regions, including North America and Europe, ESET said in an analysis published Thursday. But the group also does espionage against government entities in Europe and Central Asia. And this is interesting. I'm not going to say they're the only ones likely doing this. I can say there's probably many doing this. But it's an interesting concept because people don't think about cyber espionage. Really, honestly, explaining what espionage is, is stealing state secrets to benefit another country. So this group, while doing 
criminal theft, is also stealing intelligence for the benefit of some country where they're located. So this particular group, Asylum Ambuscade, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that second name, was first documented by Proofpoint in March 2022 as a nation-state-sponsored phishing campaign that targeted European governmental entities in an attempt to obtain intelligence on refugee and supply movement in the region. That's interesting. The goal of the attackers, per the Slovak cybersecurity firm, is to siphon confidential information and web email credentials from government official email portals. And it goes on to talk about how they do it and gives you some TTPs and how they do it and stuff like that. But it said what's notable about the group is it's cybercrime cyber, yeah, cyber spree has claimed over 4,500 victims across the world since January 2022, with the majority of them located in North America, Asia, Africa, Europe, so, <laughs> so everywhere. Uh, the only place apparently they're not getting targets is in Antarctica, apparently. But every other, every other um, continent has seen this problem. Actually, I don't think Africa. I think, no, Africa's there too. Yep, everybody, everywhere, but, you know, that's kind of a silly sentence, honestly. Where's, where's the editors there? But anyway, um, another part of this is one aspect of the attacks is designed to steal cryptocurrency. The targeting of small and medium businesses is likely an attempt to monetize the access by selling to other cyber criminal groups for a little profit. Sure, that makes sense. If you can get in, you can sell that ability to get into others and they can do the same kind of thing. Now, one thing that's interesting in this particular article, they don't say what country this is associated with. So, I mean, I, you can probably guess China, Russia would be my, well, if it's, yeah, they're doing stealing cryptocurrency, it's probably Russian. Could be North Korean, hard to say, but um, large, it's going to be either North Korea or Russia would be my guess here. But essentially, the, the reason I'm mentioning this particular article is because, is again, understanding that Cybercrime is not just cybercrime. There is there are other threats associated there. And if you're a small medium business and you have any tangential connection to a government entity, so you are in the defense industrial base space, or you are in critical national infrastructure, you surprise you supply a widget to a government entity, your information has value that bad guys will want to steal. And if you're a small medium company and you don't have really the resources to put the appropriate cybersecurity um, controls in place, you are going to be targeted and you're going to lose information. Cyber espionage groups, groups that work in this, in this area that are nation state sponsored are the hardest to defend against. I've actually, have a, in my presentations, I show a, a threat triangle and the very top two threats are nation state oriented. And if you're a small, medium business, you're not stopping them from getting in if they want to get in. So it's important, again, like I always say, to understand the threats targeting you so you can assess your risk and then proceed wisely. But you need to find support for that. If you're, even if you're a small company, you have to invest in some kind of cybersecurity um, mechanism. And if you stick with me at the end of this podcast, I'll kind of talk about something I'm coming up with to try to hope to bridge that gap. So we'll talk about that before this episode is over. All right, article number two from the Wall Street Journal. Hopefully this all shows up without the paywall. No, there is the paywall. That's pretty awesome. So um, I, I can pretty much uh, summarize this for you. Essentially, where'd it go? It just disappeared on me. Oh, anyway, the title is North Korean hacker army stole 3 billion in cryptocurrency funding the nuclear program. So essentially nation state actors in North Korea, the North Korean army hacker army, which is, which is trained by the regime, cyber criminals. And they basically have been able to infiltrate companies and steal cryptocurrency, do ransomware. And all of that 
money stolen in these activities, this cybercrime activity, is used to fund the nuclear program of North Korea. Why does that happen? Why don't these bad guys keep the money? Well, it's a hermit state. Um, all the people in there are very much under the thumb of the rulers. And because of the way that North Korea is run, they have limited funding because they're isolated from the rest of the world other than necessarily China. And so they have to train hackers, nation state oriented actors to commit cybercrime to help fund the regime. Now, chances are, and it's more than likely that they are getting assistance from Chinese actors, Chinese nation state actors, because China, uh, along with the U.S. and Russia, is one of the top are the top three nation state cyber entities that have hackers that can do this kind of stuff. So it is not a huge leap to think that China is assisting North Korea in the capability to conduct this type of cybercrime to fund the regime. So again, it goes to show the blending of nation state cyber actors and cyber crime, cyber espionage, national intelligence, all that kind of stuff. So if you're a company, you have to start thinking longer term and a little deeper as to um, how to protect your data from these ever growing types of uh, cyber actors, be they criminals, be they nation state espionage, spies, whatever, it's going to become a larger problem. I seems it's, it's, it's very hard to convince people of this, but it's going to become a larger problem. Mark my words, you heard it here first. So I'm not going to go into deep on that if you want to look this up. It's basically, it's not a big surprise that North Korea is using their nation state apparatus to fund cybercrime that they use to then fund their nuclear program. It is a obvious blending an obvious evolution of cyber activity in that type, that, that part of the world targeting Western entities. All right. The last article here has to do with um, the labor shortage in the cyber world. This is a commentary, um, commentary document from cyber news, Asia who wrote this. Let's see. Adam Judd is the writer. Adam Judd is from the firm F five and the title is, Is the Cybersecurity Talent Shortage a Crisis or an Opportunity? Despite a clear increase in cyber threats, the tech sector finds itself short of cybersecurity professionals. Some reasons include uncompetitive salaries for entry-level roles and legacy hiring criteria, says Adam Judd. Good points. So basically, he refers to, let me read from the article, Facebook parent Meta did a final round of layoffs on May 24th, the latest in a of cuts rippling through the tech sector. But amid retrenchments and hiring freezes, there's one sector with just the opposite problem. So again, this is the tech sector. It's not the cybersecurity sector. This is the tech sector. These are the programmers, the software engineers, all those guys that kind of make the tech, not the ones that secure it. So the cybersecurity field is still in critical need of more professionals, so much so that industry analysts and researchers call it a crisis. According to the 2022 Cybersecurity Workforce Study, by nonprofit ISC2, ISC squared, the global shortage of cybersecurity workers widened by 26.2% to 3.42 million, with the Asian Pacific region alone chalking up a gap of 2.16 million cybersecurity workers. The study estimated there were 77,425 cybersecurity workers in Singapore with a workforce gap of 6,700. That's for Singapore. But this shows the problem overall. And I can attest to this in the current role I have. We're trying to hire cybersecurity professionals. It's a lot of hard to find. I mean, a lot of entry level people, certainly people that want to get into cybersecurity are more than willing to come work. But trying to find that talented, skilled person 
is really, really hard. And so now that the gap is 3.42 million, it was 2 million a couple of years ago, it's now 3.42. That problem is going to get bigger. So I say all this, if you are thinking of getting into cybersecurity, well, get into it, start getting certifications, get advanced. Actually, I would say don't even bother getting an advanced degree. If you have a bachelor's degree, go get some certifications and get into the world. Once you're into the world, you can start to um, specialize as you find those areas of the workforce that is that, uh, that appeals to you, whatever that may be, be it a continuous monitoring analyst, be it a threat analyst. And that's a big thing is threat analysis. Threat intelligence is a huge growth area where basically you look at, at you basically become an analyst for cybercrime. Essentially, you look at activity and try to figure out what does it mean? What are the, who are the actors doing this? Can we get attribution? What are the tools they're using? What do those tools do? Can we take malware and can we reverse engineer it to figure out who did it? I mean, it's, if you like law enforcement, I used to be obviously a former FBI agent. Um, that kind of area is very appealing because you're still kind of fighting the fight against the bad guys. So um, basically uh, in, in, in continuing on in this article, the detrimental effects of this talent shortage are profound. Ransomware has now emerged as the new public enemy number one for businesses, governments, and consumers. I disagree. That's not really the case. It's business email compromise, but we'll agree to disagree here. Um, and attacks on entities of all sizes have been on the rise. The Cybersecurity Agency of Singapore, again, this is coming from Cyber News Asia, so that's why they're focusing on Singapore, but it is, you can pretty much transpose this over here. Um, but basically, Singapore reported 137 ransomware cases in 2021, a 54% jump from 2020. Okay, yeah, obviously. Uh, what else we got from this article? That that's uh, So basically, despite a clear increase in cyber threats and growing government concerns about the scale of the problem, the tech sector finds itself short of the very specialist needed to head off the bad guys. Mm -hmm, very true. A 2022 KPMG study, 58% of companies surveyed also admitted their organization was not proactive enough in its cybersecurity collaborations, such as with professional bodies and government. This, so this, this problem, not finding cybersecurity professionals, transcends down to companies who aren't investing in cybersecurity to start with. So I didn't realize there's a problem because they don't have anybody doing cybersecurity. They have IT. But for small and medium businesses, for all businesses, cybersecurity is a cost. You're not going to make money from it unless you're in cybersecurity. If that's your business is cybersecurity, sure, you'll make money on it. But most other, all the other companies who are trying to protect their resources have to spend money to do cybersecurity. And many choose not to do it thinking, I don't have anything anyone would want. I will never become a victim until they become a victim, and then they say, ooh, I guess I should have done that beforehand. The average cost for a data breach now is roughly $4 million. So, I mean, companies need to understand that they are one bad data breach away from essentially going out of business. So, um, again, we're not going to probably fix this problem going forward, but uh, also from this article, they're talking about um, the tech, and here's a, big, here's a big point of this. The tech industry is restricted by legacy hiring criteria, such as degrees, certifications, and years of experience. For example, a cybersecurity analyst job may require professional certifications, such as the Certified Information System Security Professional, CISSP, which requires a minimum of five years of professional experience or direct full-time professional security work experience to even get the certificate. So you can get the certificate, but you can't get approved for it unless you've had five years of experience. So a recent graduate in cybersecurity, computer science, or an adjacent field might be considered unsuitable for the role. So in other words, someone wants a cybersecurity analyst, but they want them to have a CISSP. Someone coming out of college won't fit that role until for five years. 
But let's be honest, they can do the job. They can figure out the job. The job is obvious is going to change because cyber evolves. Things change. All a CISSP does is show you can take it past a test. That's my argument anyway. I mean, people from ICS, ISC squared would probably argue that's not the case. And I may be kind of underestimating the value in it, but I don't have one. I have a master's degree in cybersecurity policy and risk analysis, but I understand the cyber issues. I can explain them to people. I can tell them how to fix the issues they have. Don't need a CISSP for that. I understand the things within an CISSP, but I would have just meant I passed a test to get it. And if I wanted to, I could. I've done some studying for it, but I just don't feel motivated because it doesn't matter. Because you just need, my. I have a different argument here. And I think the problem in the cyber world is there are not cyber leaders. We need cyber leadership to show people what they need to do to protect themselves. So that's my argument that I might be a whole show into an on itself. Actually, that may be my next show is talking about cyber leadership. So anyway, certainly the problem here is not going to get any better anytime soon. There will continue to be these, this lack of personnel within the cyber world, but you know, it creates an opportunity. If it's something, if you're young enough and you want to change careers, this is a good one to get into. Um, so, I mean, obviously for the laid off, recently laid off tech professionals concerned about job security, here's an area you can consider a change into. You could probably get into fairly quickly. It may take you a little while to get up to speed. You may have to do an entry level job, but obviously with 3 million, 3 million vacancies, 3.42 million vacancies in the field, companies are going to have to pay for the talent, whether they're talented or not. So with that, let's get to... The Cyber Smart portion of the podcast. Cyber Smart for business. Cyber Smart for the individual. Your seven to ten minute look into this crazy thing we call cyber. Um, and so we're going to talk about little known facts for small, medium business owners and little known facts for individuals. Let's play the rest of the song. Sorry, I, I mean, I mean. I paid five, somebody on Fiverr to create that for me. So I figure I feel obligated to have to play it. So that's the cyber smart theme music. I don't do that podcast anymore because it just didn't take off as I mentioned. So anyway, so here's a little known fact for small and medium sized owners today. And it is this. So one fact that business owners might not be aware of, but is crucial is that most cybersecurity breaches actually originate from inside your organization, not outside. According to various studies, around 60 to 70% of all cyber incidents are the result of insider threats, whether unintentional or malicious. This is really the kind of the key is you have two types of insiders, really. That is employees who are looking to do damage to your company, be they disgruntled, be they going to a a competitor, they're doing um, business 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 intelligence gathering, they're stealing your information to go to a competitor. Um, It could be they're just not smart enough not to click on phishing emails, they use weak passwords, do all that kind of stuff. Those are unintentional insiders. But you also have the hackers who once they're in your system, they are now an insider because they are in your system. They may be there for quite a while. Um, so, you know, these are kind of the things you need to understand. I mean, we talk about threats a lot, um, but you need to have a robust cybersecurity policy that not only covers your external threats, but also includes measures to monitor, educate, and manage internal users. I would guess that unless you are a company in the defense industrial base space, 
you may not, likely do not, have an insider threat program. Now, you may talk about insider threats a little bit. You might do annual cybersecurity training, and you might talk about not clicking on links and looking for people doing the right thing. But my guess is if it's not something you have to do, you're probably not something you are doing. But it's a big issue that it can be very easy to deal with. Creating an insider threat program is not hard. It just, create, it just requires creating some policies and maybe just some awareness for people to say, hey, why is Johnny coming in at two o'clock in the morning on Sunday and using a lot of printer, printer activity? So who knows? I mean, when you create this, you're not looking to create a culture of suspicion, but foster an awareness culture within your organization. Regular training sessions can help folks recognize potential threats. And you can limit, you can put your, you can create your systems to limit access to sensitive information. And you should really take in what we call in counterintelligence, the need to know. In other words, you have crown jewels within your business. If everybody knows what the crown jewels are, everybody becomes a potential insider and could do bad things with that data. So come up with a policy, come up with a plan on how to protect that. It is not hard. Just got to find someone to help you such as myself. It's something that I could create very quickly for a business that would not cost a lot of money to do, but we're going to talk about that in just a quick second. Okay, so cybersecurity for individuals. Let me see if I can, I wrote a little document on this. Let's see if I can find the correct one. Oh yeah, here it is. All right, so this has to do with what's called dwell time, because if you're an individual, you probably don't think a lot about dwell time, but dwell time is the amount of time an attacker remains in your system without anyone knowing they're there. The global average is about 300 days. In other words, if someone's in your network, whether it's your business network or your home network, it's going to be a while before you realize they're there. It's even worse so on the home network because it's not something you're looking for. And it may not be you have anything anyone's looking to steal, but you may have resources on your home network if you have a fast, like I have Google, um, Google Fiber, and I get two gigs worth of uh, upload and download speed on that. And I'm using, it's mostly Wi-Fi. I'm not getting that. But if I was to hardwire into my router, I could get two gig download speed on my, on my router. So I have some good resources here that if someone was in my network, they could use it to then launch attacks against others. And it would look like it came from me. So it's important for you to understand that you have to have vigilance on your network um, because chances are at your home, you're not going to know someone's in your system. You know, if you have a lot of people on your network, a lot of kids have their computers, they have their work computer or their home, their school computers, you brought your work computer home, clicked on something you're not supposed to, someone has access to your network now, bad things can happen. Uh, and so, you know, you have to think about dwell time. Someone's in my network, they're there for a while, they're probably doing bad things. So how do you reduce dwell time? Well, have regular system updates for all your devices on your network. This is going to be your internet of things devices, your TVs, all that kind of stuff. And I would recommend, as I've recommended many times, have a separate isolated network for your non-computer devices, be it your TVs, your smart cameras, your ring doorbells, your Alexa devices. It may require purchasing a second router. That's what I did. Purchase a second router, created a separate network, put everything but my computers on there because I have a host of computers that I do business on. That I do my personal stuff. That I do the podcast on. So I have those kind of isolated but you still have to update those systems. So come up with a regular updating, watch your online accounts for obvious unusual activities, check for weird financial transactions. If you don't go to your social media accounts on a daily basis, every once in a while, check. Um, even your email, you can check and see like who was the last person to access your email. 
you know, like on Google, you can go at the bottom and say this was last logged in from in Russia. That's a problem. You know, someone's in your, someone's using your email and you want to definitely change your password. Make sure as always, as we always like to say, have two-factor authentication enabled whenever possible on everything. Have good passwords, have long passwords. Use a password manager to maintain strong, unique passwords for all your accounts. Use different passwords for different accounts. Again, some of this is tedious, but a little safety will create a lot or will prevent a lot of heartburn down the road. Also, you can back, make sure you back up your systems. Either you back it up to the cloud, back it up to a separate hard piece of hardware, whatever. Um, dwell time is all about early detection and swift action. The longer an attacker remains in your system, the more damage they are going to cause. So that is your cyber smart couple minutes. So I want to end this podcast with talking about some stuff I'm doing in my personal time. So outside of my main job, I'm working on a cyber leadership, short-term cyber leadership opportunity to help small and medium businesses. And so what I mean by this is if you're a small and medium business, I can come in and kind of work and you don't have anything from a cyber leadership perspective. You don't have a CISO. You may have one IT guy doing your cyber stuff and that may not be enough. So I can kind of look, help you create policies to better protect your system. Do, I can do a survey to figure out basically what is your risk profile, kind of like a risk assessment. Um, and I can help you kind of, uh, sorry, a little cough there. I can help you better protect, better put you, put you in a better position to prevent becoming a cyber victim. It is not a long-term relationship. It's a fairly short term. It can be longer term if it's something you're interested in, but I'm, what I'm looking to do is help small and medium companies at least start down the road of better cybersecurity hygiene. If it's something you're interested in hearing more about, I'm still kind of at the market research phases. I'm still talking to people about kind of how that works. I can, um, I'm not, I'm not an MSP. I'm not doing securing your, your, I'm not doing your IT. I'm not creating your network, but I am creating a cyber leadership culture within your company that you can then use to, to kind of continue on forward. It's kind of like coaching, but it's more, it's more consulting if anything else, but I'm certainly looking for a couple companies early on to kind of test this, to see how I can do it. If you're a small, medium business and you're interested in that, reach out to me uh, in the show notes is my email, Darren at thecyberguy.com and also my LinkedIn account, uh, linkedin.com slash IN slash Darren Mott, Darren spelled D-A-R-R-E-N-M-O-T-T. You can find my information there. As always, I thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm working on getting a couple interviews coming up for the next couple episodes. So look for those. As always, know that knowledge is protection. If you can understand the threats targeting you, you can assess your risk and proceed wisely online. Thank you again so much for listening in, for subscribing, for downloading, and for telling others. Find me on LinkedIn, send me an email. Have a great week. We will talk again soon.